Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. Delighted to have you return once again to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. And it is the Halloween season. We're well into October. And that is the time to be scared. And for me and my money, there is no better way to really set the mood than with a tune. Of course, you can check out the musical selection here at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I'm your shopkeeper, Chris Baker. And if you peruse the records, the albums the reels that we have you can almost hear the siren song of rockin' sounds that haunt and frighten and dismay and bring fear to the heart so let's do it let's pull out the phonograph take a listen to music to haunt your halloween now, I've been in radio for going on close to 30 years now. I've been a DJ for most of that time. I'm working behind the scenes now as a production director, writing, producing, voicing commercials. That's always been my trade, radio. And so you don't get into radio without a really good love of music. And while I've done just about every format i'm a rocker at heart so rock and roll has always been the type of music that gets my blood pumping and gets my fist flying and elicits the most emotion out of me this episode of odds bodkins curiosity shop we're going to talk about some of my favorite rockers to haunt your halloween of course rock and roll has been frightening people for decades for generations now it started out as uh, a tame by today's standards but you know parents and the you know people in charge the the religious uh, folks and the government folks were quite scared of the emotion and the gyrations and everything that was involved with rock and roll they didn't understand it the kids that grew up listening to a certain type of rock and roll got older and started fearing the net batch of rock and rollers that came out and so on and so forth you know i'm to the point now where you know i love the music i grew up with and while I still love some of the newer music out there, the newer rock and roll, there's always that thought in my mind that, oh, well, this stuff isn't as good as it used to be. So rock and roll just inherently uh, elicits a fear in us all. But it's when rock and roll is done right that it's almost like a horror movie for your ears. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Some of those rock and roll tunes that uh, just create a sense of dread, a sense of fear, uh, stuff that kind of lends itself towards Halloween and towards that that horror show of the mind. Now, it, it's a gray area as to what can be played on a podcast. You know, working in radio, I'm no stranger to the fact that uh, ASCAP, CSAC, BMI, all those all want their cut. And I know a lot of podcast uh, podcasters will say well you can play 10 seconds or you can play 15 seconds or you won't get in trouble well that's uh, in fair use and all of that well that's that's all good and well uh, but none of that will hold up in court so uh, I don't want this podcast being 
blanked out anywhere. I don't want anyone saying I've got to take it down. So we're not going to play any of these songs that I'm talking about, but I will have in the description, I'll have links to uh, YouTube videos that you can check out, or you can, you know, I will give you the names and the albums and the uh, the songs and the artists that, you know, you can check it out yourself. But uh, but we are going to talk about some of my, my favorite songs, my top 10. You know, I didn't want to do a top 10 list. I'm not a fan of top 10 lists. I hate ranking things, but for ease of uh, differentiating what I, I find is the the songs that I enjoy the most this time of year, we are going to do this top 10 style just because you know there are a couple songs that they are my ultimate Halloween, October favorites, the kind of songs that get me in the mood for, for being scared. Although, you know, there's some of these that could be flip-flopped in order. Uh, it's not a real hard and fast order that we're going to be talking about, but just a, a general order in which uh, these these come in at. And coming in at number 10 on my favorite songs to rock my Halloween, uh, Ozzy Osbourne's Mr. Crowley. Of course, Ozzy Osbourne's first solo album after leaving Black Sabbath was the Blizzard of Oz, and he really wanted to keep that Black Sabbath feel. Black Sabbath, you know, they they wrote a lot of songs that dealt with the occult, dealt with uh, darker imagery. I can't remember if it was Tony Iommi uh, was quoted once saying it. It's essentially a horror movie only on a on a record, and that's I think what Ozzy Osbourne really wanted to continue when he when he started his solo career now the song is mr crowley and everyone knows it's about uh alistair crowley of course ozzy pronounces it wrong it's actually uh alistair crowley is is how it's actually pronounced but uh, i've always heard it crowley and so i'm gonna say crowley that's what the song is called mr crowley that's what ozzy says so ozzy says so then that's what we're gonna do and one of the things that really stands out uh right off the bat is Don Airy. I don't think he was given a writing credit on this song, but Don Airy, uh, keyboardist, did this amazing keyboard open to this. Uh, it almost sounds organy. It's it's very creepy. Almost like that that kind of organ music, Phantom of the Opera style, kind of the the stuff you hear when you're going into a haunted house. And it really sets the tone for this eerie song about a man who is into the occult, black magic, uh, all, all that sort of jazz. And Ozzy was actually reading a lot about Aleister Crowley uh, before they wrote this song. And there was a deck of tarot cards in the studio, as legend has it, that uh, was designed by Aleister Crowley. And that really kind of sparked it. Ozzy wanted to do something uh, akin to what he was, was known for with Black Sabbath, the kind of stuff that shocks people, that makes people think he's into witchcraft. And, you know, he, he's not. But that bands of that time that's what they wanted they wanted to to put on this air of darkness and evil it, it was part of the gimmick and and this song really did that for Ozzy Osbourne, just just the subject matter, Aleister Crowley, and and the words that they wrote, you know, uh, you fooled all the people with magic. Yeah, you waited on Satan's call. Anytime a song elicits the name of Satan, uh, it, it's gonna get people upset. Talking about his uh, nocturnal rapport, uh, uncovering things that were sacred, it just really kind of added to the ambiance of this song. And there's a, a line in here that stuck out to me. I never understood it, 
but I, I did a little more research into it. There's there's a line there. I believe it's in the second verse. Uh, Conceived in the eye of a secret, and they scattered the afterbirth. There's this rumor, uh, a myth, really, that Aleister Crowley was born with a birthmark of a swastika on his, I believe, his leg or, or somewhere on him, and uh, people were freaked out by it and uh, scattered the afterbirth because uh, swastikas, you know... In our terms today, the swastika definitely is a symbol of of evil. But Aleister Crowley was born in 1875. Up until the 1930s, the swastika was both pointing clockwise and counterclockwise, was a religious symbol in like Hinduism and Buddhism and, and things of that nature. I believe the clockwise facing swastika kind the nazis used was the symbol for day and then the counterclockwise facing swastika was the symbol for night kind of a yin and yang thing and for the for the longest time it was a symbol of good luck my dad owned an antique shop a a long time ago and uh, i remember him getting this this medallion and it had a swastika on it, and it talked about uh, good luck, and it was printed by some organization or whatever, but it was from like the 1920s, something like that. Uh, so the swastika was really uh, uh, not a bad symbol until the Nazis came along and adopted it for their political party in the 1930s, and then all hell broke loose with World War II, and the swastika was forever a symbol of, of evil and, and hatred and, and all the horrible things that the Nazis did. The swastika became a symbol for that. So it, it doesn't make sense that anyone would be freaked out by the swastika in 1875 when Aleister Crowley was born. Uh, so that I, that is a myth. That that's not true. Um, whether they did actually scatter the afterbirth after Aleister Crowley was born, I who knows. But but back to the song. Uh, the song is so amazing. But not just because of the creepy imagery and cult-like imagery and symbolism that the song elicits, uh, the haunting sound of the keyboards, but Randy Rhodes' guitar work in this is just some of his finest. Because you've got this with uh, Aleister Crowley as the as the subject matter and all this dark imagery and this occult-like imagery. And you've got this beautiful guitar work from Randy Rhodes. Uh, God rest his soul. But uh, he's got a couple guitar solos in it. Just hauntingly melancholy, yet beautiful, all at the same time. It makes this song so a great juxtaposition between the the evil and the occult imagery and this this beautiful guitar work from Randy Rhodes. Just makes this song so haunting and makes it for me. Uh, a great song to get me in the mood for Halloween. Now, coming in at number nine, uh, probably one of the most underrated bands to come out of the early 90s uh, was a band called Saigon Kick. They put together two albums in the early 90s with the original lineup. Uh, Matt Kramer at lead vocals, Jason Beeler on guitar, Tom DeFile on bass, and uh, Phil Verone on drums. Uh, after that, uh, you know, the, the band kind of started to break up while they were still putting out Saigon Kick albums. It wasn't the same. It wasn't the same sound. And one of my favorite albums of all time is Saigon Kick's second album, The Lizard. Now, everyone may know that. That's the album that had Love Is On The Way, like the one like real ballad 
that they put out. Uh, everything else Saigon Kick did was a lot of hard and heavy stuff, uh, a lot of apocalyptic imagery, a lot of youth angst, and just one of my favorite bands, one of my favorite albums, Saigon Kick the Lizard, and one of my favorite songs. And it's a song that it, it always elicits uh, a kind of haunted imagery in my head. The song's called Peppermint Tribe. And it's just, it's kind of like this nightmarish fairy tale of a dream type song. It's got this, these crunching guitars. Matt Kramer has these uh, soaring shamanesque vocals. And I, I'm sure it's a metaphor for something I've never really heard. And, you know, to their credit, I, I don't think Saigon Kick has come out and officially said what a lot of their songs are about. They kind of leave it to the imagination. That's one of the beautiful things about music is that it can be left to the imagination. But just the, the imagery that this song elicits, it's almost like the Hansel and Gretel witch with the candy house and... Yeah, mix that with uh, an axe murderer. It's just that's that kind of feel that this song has with uh, with lyrics like with tomahawks of candy cane, we split their heads and eat the brains. Hail me. Towards the end of the song, it talks about uh, witches dancing inside their caves. The people all go insane from the peppermint tribe. Uh, just some some really bizarre yet foreboding imagery. It's such a great song because it's it's a good kind of a mid tempo rocker. It's it's heavy, got crunchy guitars, but Jason Beeler's guitar work on the solos are are very soaring as he's as he's known to do. But Matt Kramer just kind of has that that quality that I look for in in a front man. Very Jim Morrison-esque, kind of has that uh, that shaman-esque uh, sensibility about himself. But the guy's got you know great uh, great range and, and great vocal style, and it, this just for me is such a an oddly haunting song. And I don't know if that's what it was meant to be. I don't know what the metaphor is here. Uh, I don't think it has to have a metaphor. Not everything has to mean something. Just the the fact that it elicits this imagery uh, makes it such an interesting song and makes it a song that just leaves you guessing and leaves the mind to wonder what, what it's about. Or is it about anything? And if it is about something, what what can this or these horrific images be uh, be talking about? It's just a, a fantastic song that, like I said, kind of keeps you guessing and really gives you that foreboding feeling that you really want around Halloween. And it's always a rocker that uh, that I love to listen to this time of year. Number eight on my list of uh, rock songs to to haunt your Halloween is Judas Priest. Touch of Evil. Of course, in the early 90s, Judas Priest came out with their Painkiller album. And that was the album that really kind of... I mean, they're always you know hard rock. They were always considered metal. But you want to talk about heavy metal. This is the album that really put them into kind of the, the speed metal category. But this song, actually, uh, Touch of Evil, it was... And I, I don't want to call it a ballad, but it's a slower driving song that... Uh, kind of is akin to a ballad. And the, the cool thing, though, is that uh, it also starts out with this creepy 
eerie keyboard work. And it's none other than Don Airy who did the keyboard work at the beginning of Mr. Crowley that uh, did the keyboard work at the beginning of Judas Priest's Touch of Evil. So it's it's funny how he's kind of got this style. He's got the market cornered on eerie keyboards, but uh, there, a lot of imagery uh, is evoked in this uh, possession, black magic, temptation to commit evil. I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, they've come out on the record saying this is kind of a metaphor for a uh, a love relationship. And if you if you listen to the lyrics, it, it really is that. It's about you know arouse the desire. You put me in a trance. Uh, a vision of fire. I never had a chance. It's about you know giving in to temptation and that temptation, that love as an evil thing, something that's kind of taboo. Maybe you know Rob Halford came out about this time as uh, a homosexual man, and it, it could be you know him working through the feelings he had and the stigma about homosexuality at that time in the early 90s. He could have been working through that as a kind of a metaphor for, you know, having having feelings that he did that uh, weren't looked on by society in a favorable light. But regardless, his vocals on this are, are creepy and eerie, and it's just... Uh, a fantastic song you know you you feel this when you listen to it and you don't think about it as a, a metaphor for a, a love relationship it just it feels haunted it, it feels evil and and i think that's the, the brilliance of the band to have this song you're gonna have a song called touch of evil you want it to have a an evil feel to it and it's just such a haunting disturbing song in so much that it it feels like you're being tempted to to come over to the dark side to come over to give in to evil impulses and, and that's what halloween's all about uh that fear that uh that fear that you might do something bad you might go egg somebody's house as a little kid or you might commit uh some heinous act as an adult who who knows but uh it's just one of those songs that it, it almost plays like a movie as you're listening to it you could you could hear this easily as a musical backdrop to a horror movie or it almost feels like it could have been based on some sort of horror movie uh, just by the the feel and the the sound and the lyrics one of my favorite songs to to listen to this time of year i've always uh of course i love the painkiller album but uh, but this song in particular just a fantastic fantastic tune coming in at number seven on my list of rock to haunt your halloween i think i've called this something different every time but uh number seven is anthrax fight them till you can't of course anthrax uh i have a long history with anthrax love that band uh you may have heard the one of my earlier podcasts where I talked about the Among the Living graphic novel that they put out here as they, they celebrate their 40th anniversary and Among the Living, kind of their seminal album. And we talked about that, uh, just a fantastic graphic novel. Joey Belladonna left the band and brought in John Bush. Uh, they did a few albums with John Bush and just things just weren't just weren't right. Uh, they put a lot of good music out with John Bush. I won't. I don't deny that. I, I like John Bush as a singer, but with him and Anthrax, it just didn't feel like Anthrax. And then 
Anthrax came out with the Worship Music album in 2011. And this was, I believe this was probably the the first single off that album. I may be wrong on that, but it was the first song I re- ever remember really listening to off that album and just falling in love with it. Fall in love with the band all over again because I was so glad to hear Joey Belladonna back with the band. You know, the band kind of took a harder maybe less thrash more hard rock sound with uh with john bush and a darker tone and that kind of carried over to joey belladonna they started to get back into their thrash roots a little bit and they kept that darker tone but with joey belladonna's soaring vocals and that just wow was that a recipe for success if there ever was one this album really was a a welcome back for Joey Belladonna and a welcome back for Anthrax. Of course, they started getting Grammy nods because of this and, and just a lot of great response from this album. And uh, this song, like I said, fantastic for this time of year, October, getting into Halloween, uh, fight them till you can't. It, it really kind of comes across, and I know I thought it was a a song about zombies at first, but hearing Scott Ian talk about writing the lyrics, he was actually more inspired by 30 days of night uh, and vampires. And you get the, the warning sound at the, the beginning and almost like the radio broadcast about uh, the bodies of the dead coming back uh, to eat the living. And it sounds like zombies, but yeah, it could also be vampires as well. As we found out in the Will Smith I Am Legend, uh, there's a thin line between what people consider zombies and what people consider vampires. But this song plays uh, to Anthrax's thrash sensibilities, and it comes across as this like frantic fight to survive feel to it. And I, I love the line, in the end of everything, the dead will rise and sing. And it's just... It's just fantastic. You know, Scott Ian doesn't get enough credit for the lyrics he writes, especially in the the, the Belladonna eras uh, of Anthrax. And he's such a, a good songwriter uh, for my money, uh, especially when he's writing about things he likes. Uh, Stephen King, uh, horror movies, uh, comic books, stuff like that. He just comes up with some, some brilliant work. And this song is a perfect example of that. And then you got the lines like uh, at the beginning where it says, uh, when did this begin? This curse is old as sin. Reality is bleeding at the core. Brilliant savagery, decapitate and bleed out the spoiled seed until it's pure. Uh, just uh, that's such great horror imagery right there. You know, talking about curses and uh, bleeding at the core and the brilliant savagery. It's just uh, a fantastic way to to paint a picture with a song. And then you get into that part where, you know, the it's kind of almost a call and response. You've got the guys in the band, Scott and Frank, screaming the, the, the lines like uh, the darkest devil nightmare, blacker than their evil souls. You got to fight them. And Joey Belladonna going with I'll End You. Just it's so crunchy and marchy, and it's just a uh, like I said, it kind of plays into this this frantic nature of this, and it always kind of reminds me of uh, just that frantic will to survive against insurmountable horrors, and uh, makes this a perfect song uh, for for this time of year for Halloween for horror fans, and why it's on my top ten list of of my favorite songs 
to haunt by during Halloween. Coming in at number six, uh, another thrash band, Metallica. See, this is where these two, you could probably flip-flop these two songs because I, I love them both so much, but uh, Metallica, All Nightmare Long. Of course, Metallica, no stranger to the Cthulhu mythos, uh, Call of Cthulhu, uh, one of their one of their well-known songs. And this takes a page out of that. Now, the song is about the Hounds of uh, Tindalos. It's used by H.P. Lovecraft and the Cthulhu Mythos, but the Hounds were actually created by Frank uh, Belknap in uh, the Hounds of Tindalos. Uh, he's the one that came up with them. H.P. Lovecraft uses them in, in some of his work, and like I said, in the Cthulhu stuff. But this song is so great because it's it's got movements to it. It's a longer song. It's a driving chase of a song. You, you feel like you're being chased by these hounds in this song. Uh, but the song is great. I love the song. It's got such great imagery, great horror imagery. Like the, the chorus, uh, because we hunt you down without mercy. We hunt you down all nightmare long. Feel us breathing upon your face. Feel us shift to every movie we trace. Hunt you down without mercy. Hunt you down all nightmare long. Just fantastic with the driving drums and guitar. It just it feels like a like a, a chasing. And, you know, much like Anthrax, uh, fight them till you can't. Feels like a a frantic fight to survive this this feels like a, a fight to to run and outrun this this horror that's that's chasing you down but the the beauty of this song it's not even just the song that is perfect for this time of year it's also the video that they did and they did this video the band never even shows up in it but it feels like a like a russian propaganda video kind of a documentary feel uh and it starts out talking about 1908 the meteor hitting uh tunguska russia and leveling acres upon acres of forest and the video essentially is a revisionist history uh, that some spores were found on this meteor and the spores were used to bring reanimate uh, the dead and the Russians were building these undead soldiers and everything went haywire and just it's a fantastic zombie movie setup I'm surprised nobody has done a movie based on on this video but really this song when Death Magnetic came out and the first time I heard this song it was seeing this video and so now anytime i hear this song it's so ingrained in my mind when i hear the song i'm thinking of the video and the video is so bizarre and creepy and it's done like i said in that documentary propaganda film style and the special effects aren't great but they're they're pretty darn good someone when they reanimate this cat and it's it's creepy and just it's a bizarre otherworldly unnerving video and that just adds to the mythos of the song. It adds to, like I said, I can't hear the song now and not see that video, not think of the feelings that I associate from seeing that video. It's it's horrifying. It's disturbing. And that's that's a that's a beautiful thing to, in my mind for Metallica to to have this great song to do a song that's about one thing do a video that is completely different from what the song is about the song is about these uh, hounds uh, hounds of Tindalos and these uh, almost hounds of hell type creatures that that hunt you in in their dreams or your dreams I can't remember but to do a video that doesn't have anything to do with that is is great because it just adds uh, you know the song 
song and the the meaning behind the song, the source of the meaning behind the song, uh, adds one layer of horror to it. And then to do a video about zombies uh, just adds another layer of horror to an already. Uh, it's not a spooky song in how they play or anything like that, but the subject matter uh, elicits uh, spooky visions. It's unnerving to watch the video, and the video is so much what I think about when, when the song comes on. It's, it's a great song for this time of year. Coming in at number five, this one, I would be remiss if this did not make my top ten list. I would be remiss if it didn't make... Uh, anybody's top 10 list of great horror songs let alone horror rock songs iron maiden number of the beast of course the song kind of based on the omen um it was really inspired by uh steve harris i believe watching the omen and it starts out with uh, the reading from the book of revelation and they really wanted vincent price to do it of course vincent price had done the the bit for Michael Jackson's thriller and the guys from Maiden, you know, wanted him to voice this, but they couldn't afford Vincent Price. So they had to do the next best thing. They went with actor Barry Clayton and he did kind of his best Vincent Price impersonation. Did a great job. Really added a sense of eeriness. I don't know, like a baleful sound to his voice into the beginning of this song. And, and you know, it's, it's typical Steve Harris galloping Iron Maiden that, that you come to love. But it's it's such a great, uh, great rocker. And Bruce Dickinson does some of the most blood-curdling screams in this that, uh, that I've ever heard him, him sing. And it just, it, it adds to all the imagery of feeling like you've had this dream, this horrific dream, and not knowing if it's real or, or not. And talking about the the night was black, it was no use holding back because I had to see was someone watching me. In the mist, dark figures move and twist. Was all this real or just some kind of hell? And then it goes into 666, the number of the beast. Kind of like it said earlier, you know, when you elicit the name of Satan or uh, the mark of the beast, 666, you're going to scare people. Uh, maybe not the people you intend to scare. Uh, you know, the people listen to it aren't, aren't scared of that. They understand this is a song. This is imagery. This is a, a horror film on vinyl. It, it's the people, the parents, and the, the priests, and the government officials, and the teachers that are, are probably more scared by this. But uh, again, such uh, fantastic imagery being painted on the mind. The canvas of the mind is one of the brilliant things about Iron Maiden is because they can take something like a piece of history or a piece of literature or like this, uh, you know, verses from the Bible or, or film uh, like the Omen, kind of tie that into the verse of the Bible, the, the apocalyptic sense that the Omen had, or that the, the Bible has. And use your mind as a blank canvas to paint a picture, no matter how beautiful or how horrific. Uh, that's the beauty of music, and that's the beauty of Iron Maiden, because Iron Maiden can take those things, those pieces of literature, those pieces of history, and paint upon the mind something that uh, makes you look at history and literature in a whole new way. And and that's kind of what this does. You know, it just it takes what was creepy in the omen 
and just bone chilling when when that kid looks at the camera the way it does just uh, chills you to the bone takes that and kind of builds on that and builds on the fear of nightmares i probably should have it ranked higher i don't but there are just some songs for halloween uh, that I like just a, a little bit better. And one of those coming at number four is Black Sabbath's Black Sabbath. Ozzy Osbourne, the only person to have two songs on this list. Different iterations of his career, but we're splitting hairs there. But the beginning of Black Sabbath, just haunting and chilling. It, it starts out like a, like a horror movie. And when he's singing about the figures in black, it's just frightening how the finger's pointing at him. He's chosen. Uh, then it kind of goes into Satan and the flames, almost like he's waiting for him. I, I get this feeling that the person singing the song has died and maybe has gone to hell. It just brings about that sort of feeling when you listen to it. And the agony in Ozzy Osbourne's voice that this is all going on kind of kind of plays into that the oh no no please god help me that that cry it's it's almost as blood curdling as Bruce Dickinson's screaming in in number of the beast and then towards the end is it the end my friends satan's coming around the bend people running cuz they're scared people better go and beware no no god please Please help me. Is this uh, this guy who's gone to hell uh, and facing his you know judgment from Satan, or is this a, a dream? Is he uh, a warning? And that's what a lot of Black Sabbath was. You know, I, I talked about. I believe it was Tony Iommi who said that uh, you know a lot of Black Sabbath stuff, all the talk of the occult, was more horror movie on vinyl and if you listen to a lot of black sabbath stuff they they talk a lot about the occult they talk a lot about satan they talk a lot about evil but a lot of, a lot of the cases that uh, parents never listened close enough uh, especially back in the day when when sabbath first came out uh, is that a lot of these were warnings against evil and the occult and and satan and you know here again it's talking about satan's coming uh you better go and beware and that imagery in itself, you know, it's uh, all the, the black figure pointing, that sort of stuff is creepy. That's eerie. You know, I, I almost picture this um, Grim Reaper type figure pointing his skeleton finger at you and saying, you're the one, you're next. That's that's frightening. But at the end, this, this Satan's coming around the bend. This evil is coming and you better run. You better watch out. That's there again, that's to me is, is is chilling stuff, and when you pair that with the music, Tony Iommi's guitar work, uh, Bill Ward and Geezer Butler on the rhythm section, they kind of adopt a little bit of that. Uh, maybe maybe that's where Steve Harris kind of got his inspiration from for a lot of his work, but the kind of that galloping bassline sound in this towards the end of the song, the the beginning is so uh, slow and plodding and haunting to me it's like the musical equivalent of being in a graveyard i i have no better way to explain that but uh such a such a great and eerie song to play this time of year it, it'll give you chills on halloween but for my money black sabbath black sabbath it'll give you chills any day of the week number three on our list is uh, these these 
top three songs are probably, for me, some of the most Halloween-centric songs. Uh, A lot of these songs were about horror-type imagery, zombies, uh, vampires, hellhounds. But these songs really, at least the next two, uh, are very Halloween-centric. And that's, I think, why... I ranked them so high on this because, well, these songs are, are kind of about Halloween, and that's what this list is kind of all about. Uh, coming at number three off their World Coming Down album, it's Typo Negative, All Hallows Eve. I remember the first time I listened to this song, I had just got the CD. I started listening to it going to work, but I don't have a long drive to work. I was working uh, night show, got off at midnight, drove home, and I'm listening to this, and I got to this track. All Hallows Eve, and I probably got about halfway through it, and I had to I had to turn it off and go inside. It was dark. It was probably fall, September, October. Uh, it was just creepy, and I have to admit that uh, I kind of had uh, a little bit of the bejesus scared out of me by listening to this song at night. I was quite certain maybe the devil might pop out of my uh, car stereo speakers, and I didn't want that to happen. Uh, but it's such a, a creepy song. Of course, a lot of things Typo Negative does. You know, they really play into the horror film in music type of aesthetic. And uh, this song probably epitomizes that more than most of their songs. But it's creepy images. It makes you feel like you're listening to ancient rituals. Uh, and and it, as you listen to the song, it, it really feels like somebody's lover has died and they're trying to bring them back from the dead by using spells or whatever means necessary. Uh, One line kind of insinuates that he would trade his soul to the devil to bring back uh, his lover. And uh, it's a, it's a beautifully haunting song. And all this is taking place on All Hallows' Eve, talking about the the fresh dug dirt. Uh, I'm assuming, or I'm picturing this, you know, all going down in a cemetery uh, on Halloween. The beginning of the song talks about fall fires burn beneath black twisted boughs, sacrifice to above, uh, smoke swirling quickly towards misting clouds, offering of this blood. You know, it just feels like an old ritual, an old incantation. And the, the next line, into the flame. And without shame, consumed with howls and screams, pumpkins grin in their despair on All Hallows' Eve. Just, if that doesn't give you the creeps and the willies on on Halloween or any time in October this time of year, nothing will. That's one of the things I I loved about Typo Negative, or still do love. And and, and Peter Steele, God rest his soul, uh, such a great and unique voice. For rock and roll you know so many bands that came out of the 70s and 80s really kind of had that robert plant screaming high falsetto voices and for peter Steele to come in the the late 80s and 90s with this really deep baritone if not bass voice just was so unique because uh, nobody else was sounded like that. And his enunciation of words and how he said things that kind of almost had this old world feel to it just added to such an eerie ambiance to this music. That's one of the things I love about the band. It's uniqueness in Peter Steele's voice. It's one of the things that are sorely missed in rock and roll right now is unique voices. And one of the things that adds an air of unearthliness to it, uh, to any song, but especially this song, 
All Hallows Eve. And when you're talking about songs for Halloween, this this song is custom made for Halloween. And that's why it's number three on my list. Uh, speaking of songs custom made for Halloween, the next song, the number two song is the band Halloween. Halloween. Of course, you know, you can't get more custom made for Halloween than naming your song Halloween. But uh, off the album Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 1 back in 1987, this song is probably one of my favorites. It, it could be number one if I didn't love the band so much that comes in at number one. But, uh, but Halloween, Halloween, it kind of, again, has that galloping romp of a, of a song. It's got such a great Halloween iconography, and it really comes in different movements. Different verses kind of have different feels. Uh, this, is, this is quite a long song, and the first part of it kind of gives you that feel of trick-or-treat. The second verse, <laughs> I, I didn't realize this till much later in life when I actually sat down and read the lyrics. But the second verse talks about uh, the Charlie Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown uh, special. Talking about uh, bad luck if you get a stone. Like the good old Charlie Brown. You think Linus could be right. The kids will say it's just a stupid lie. Essentially, you know, Linus looking for the Great Pumpkin to come out. Uh, it's just, it's it's silly and it's kind of corny but it fits for halloween and it fits this song and it doesn't feel as like i said as corny as it is and as hokey as it is to talk about uh charlie brown and linus and the great pumpkin in a rock and roll heavy metal song it works it doesn't feel out of place it really feels in the spirit of of what halloween's about and of course the lines in the streets of halloween there's something going on no way to escape the power unknown in the streets of halloween the spirits will arise make your choice to tell our paradise and that's kind of it, it kind of gets into some some darker imagery of halloween you know we had the trick-or-treat uh we had you know charlie brown and the great pumpkin and now we kind of get into to some of the the darker themes of halloween talking about magic in the air black as the night full of fright that sort of stuff just uh adds this creepiness to it darkness where am i now is there anything out there what has happened am i in heaven or hell just a lot of, of darker, more apocalyptic, doom-inducing message and subject matter. And then kind of as we get to the end of the song, it almost feels like uh, it's singing about a, a battle of good and evil. And, you know, will we be delivered uh, and have peace of mind? And that's, that's what I love about this song, because it's long. There's enough room for them to explore everything that Halloween entails. You've got the innocence of Trick or Treat and, and Charlie Brown. And then you kind of go into the darker themes, uh, this almost dreamlike apocalyptic vision, and, and end with this battle of good versus evil. And then the spirits will arise. Make your choice. It's hell or paradise. Just... A fantastic song that really, to me, is all that is good about Halloween and all that is fun about Halloween, from the innocent to the darker things. And the video, I, I love the video too, because it's the band playing in these woods and they've got this uh, kind of mascot, uh, Jack O'Lantern, I believe is his name. It's this guy wearing a pumpkin head. And uh, I've told you in one of my last podcast about uh the one about my favorite halloween movies 
or movies for this time of year, uh, people with pumpkins for heads creep me out. Uh, I don't know why. I know it's just a guy with a pumpkin on his head, but it's really unnerving. And, and this, this jack-o'-lantern character is running around leading like a conga line of people in, in various Halloween costumes as the band plays in this dark forest. And it's just, it's, it's silly and it's creepy and it's, the video for me is just as fun. It's simple, but it's just as fun as the song is for Halloween. Of course, the vocals in this song, Michael Kiske, his vocals are are just, to me, synonymous with this band. Of course, uh, he was with the band early on, you know, during this album, and did a few albums with Halloween, and then left the band. They got a new lead singer, did several albums with him, and now Michael Kiske is back with Halloween, and doing something that I am not a huge fan of doing the dual frontman but Andy Darris does a great job vocally but they've they've brought in Michael Kiske back into the fold and they're doing this dual lead singer thing and like I said normally I, I'm not a fan of that but Halloween did a self-titled album uh, that they put out here earlier this year and really it, it really works and plays to both of their strengths. You know, Michael Kiske uh, has these range. Uh, a lot of people wish they had. I, if I if I had the range Michael Kiske has, uh, I wouldn't be doing what I do now. I'd be out uh, singing my heart out. But uh, it, but he's got great range. A- Andy also has a good range as well. But just the, their voices together just sound superb. Uh, you know, doing the 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 dueling lead vocals, it, it actually works in the case of this this new iteration of Halloween. And if you haven't checked it out, uh, they got a great video uh, for their song, their uh, first single, Skyfall, off the Halloween 2021 album. And uh, it has a, a great Area 51, Roswell sort of, of feel to the video. But great song. I say that to say Michael Kiske's vocals on this really add to that sense of, uh, of haunting, of danger, that, that eminence of doom that it kind of gets into in the song later on and one of my favorite songs period I I love this tune not just around Halloween but this is definitely a song I will be listening to multiple times between now and October 31st and that's why it is number two on my my list of uh, favorite uh, rock and roll tunes to to haunt my Halloween and coming in at number one one of my favorite bands of all time and uh, a band that came out uh, just a little too late. Dangerous Toys came out with their self-titled debut album in, I believe, 1989. And they only had a few years before grunge kind of came along and killed the... And, and Dangerous Toys wasn't a glam rock band. They were kind of that, that dirty, long hair, hard rock band from Texas. They weren't really a, a glam band, but they kind of got lumped in. You saw their videos on Headbangers Ball all the time on MTV at that time when they were playing more of the hair metal stuff. And just one of my absolute favorite bands because not only did they they have a great sound, 
uh, this dirty Texas sound that, that, that I just loved. And Jason McMaster has one of the most underrated voices in, in all of rock and roll. If you take uh, Sebastian Bach from Skid Row and Axl Rose from Guns N' Roses and they have a love child, uh, I think you get Jason McMaster. He's just got these this soaring range, this soaring uh, scream of a, a, a voice, and but he can do the low end stuff. It just uh, he's got such range that I that's why I, I love this because and it's not you know it's not that fake falsetto type screaming that you, you got in a lot of the glam bands. Not that I I, I don't like glam bands because I do I love a lot of glam bands, but but Jason McMaster man vocally he was the real deal. Scott Dalhoover. Uh, great guitars, you know, uh, Mike Watson and Mark Geary, great rhythm section, just a, a, a superb band. And they employed a lot of, of imagery that uh, bordered on the horror. They kind of have this mascot, this clown, this evil clown. I, I don't think he ever had a name. You know, everybody's mascot had had a name. There's Eddie from Iron Maiden. Uh, there's Vic Rattlehead from from Megadeth. Everybody seemed to have a, a name for their mascot, but they never did. I always called. I just called him the Killer Clown. Uh, but he was this evil-looking clown on the cover of their self-titled debut album, uh, and made an appearance on all the album covers since then and kind of played into the dangerous toys this evil clown in the jack in a box and that that original album cover just creepy that's it, it kind of looks like what the killer clowns from out of space should have looked like to look scary uh they did not look scary to me uh it looked hokey and and stupid <laughs> Uh, it's not to say there weren't some creepy scenes in Killer Clowns from Outer Space, but if they wanted uh, those clowns to look really scary, uh, they should have patterned them after. And I think that movie came out before this, but just work with me here. Uh, they should have patterned them after the Dangerous Toy uh, Clown. But there's one song in particular off that self-titled debut album that is number one on my list to uh, haunt my Halloween and yours too. It's Dangerous Toys Scared. And there's nothing uh, really that creepy about the sound. It's a, it's a good, hard rocking fever dream of a song. And uh, I love it because it's got such great imagery. Talking about black widows and creatures and monsters and, and being drawn to the darkness. And, and there's probably a reason for that because the song in the liner notes, they dedicated this song to Alice Cooper. And Alice Cooper, of course, uh, known for, for his dalliance with the dark arts, if you will. This song kind of uh, pays tribute to all those wonderful things about uh, Alice Cooper that, that we all love. All that, that darkness and that wickedness. And, and uh, the video is another one of those where the video really just adds to the, the creepiness of this song because the imagery in the video it's about this kid kind of puts on his headphones he's laying down in bed at night uh, listening to this song and and all this creepy uh dreamlike imagery starts to happen and it's very frightening tarantulas crawling on, spider crawling on anything is going to be creepy and scary to me but the the chorus of this song hey man i think i like being scared and i wish you all were there that to me is that's what i'm all about i i love being scared i love trying to be scared I, I want something to scare me i want that adrenaline rush and i, I think anybody who loves horror 
uh, loves horror for that reason. They like the the adrenaline rush. They like to have their boundaries pushed to to see you know that fight or flight instinct to kick in, and that's what this song is all about: being scared and liking it, being scared and wanting it. Of course, he talks about the uh, who's the man in the white vest. I'm getting nervous, becoming a mess. Is he the doctor's man to take me away, or the same damn demon from yesterday? Uh, waking up is virtually impossible. There's something in this story that won't let me out. I know I'm shaking. And I'm feeling sick. I guess I'm going to need a vodka quick. Talking about this, this scary man that he's later on in the song. Uh, why am I starting to like this? You know, he hasn't hurt me yet, but it's different now. Just a whim. Maybe I'm becoming his pet. Talking about being scared, but but starting to like it. And that's that is what horror fan, that this is this is about horror fans. This is rock and roll for horror fans. And and that's why I love it so much. And this song, maybe it's not Halloween centric, maybe it's not about Halloween, but it's about being scared. And that's that's one of the fun things about Halloween. Everybody dresses up in creepy costumes and everybody watches horror movies and stuff to get that that feeling of fear to be scared uh, because you like it. And that is really what this song is all about. And the imagery in the video, the imagery of the song conjures up horrible dreamlike images, but it's such a fun song and it's a good rocker. And this is a song that, again, I'll listen to it any day of the year that you've got. But for my money, uh, hands down, this is the song that gets me in the mood for Halloween because it's got horrific images uh, of demons and monsters and creatures and creepy crawly things and things that go bump in the night. But that's that's the fun of it. That's what we love about horror. That's what we love about Halloween. It's scary imagery, but how could it not be fun? Especially when you've got it in a great rock and roll song. And and not the first time that these guys have, have done things in the world of horror. Of course, they had the song Demon Bell uh, that was on the Shocker soundtrack. They've had some other stuff, you know, this one song, uh, Bones in the Gutter. It's kind of more of a true crime feel. But, uh, you know, these guys are no strangers to telling stories with songs and telling unsettling stories with songs. And that's what you have here with uh, with Dangerous Toys and Scared and uh, a perfect tribute to Alice Cooper, who this song was dedicated to and a perfect way to to celebrate Halloween, to celebrate being scared, to celebrate what we all love about this time of year and what we love about uh, the horror movies that uh, that and, and books and things of that nature and song that uh, that we love so much. So that is my number one song to haunt my Halloween, and hopefully it haunts yours as well. Uh, like I said, I, I couldn't play any of the clips from this just because I didn't want to deal with the legal ramifications behind that, but I will have the links to all of these YouTube videos in the description. And also, if you want to check out, uh, I have a Spotify playlist uh, called Metalloween, and you'll find all of these and a whole lot more if you like rock and roll, especially metal and hard rock that kind of leans towards the horror and the spooky. You're going to find all these songs and so much more. So uh, check that out. Uh, I'll have a link to that playlist, uh, that Spotify playlist in the description as well. And 
you can find uh i'll probably put some links on the facebook page check that out odds bodkins uh curiosity shop on facebook where you'll find all that's going on with our podcast uh always posting you know videos sometimes uh, articles memes anything that has to do with horror fantasy and sci-fi i'm looking forward to share with you right there on facebook so uh check that out follow us there like our, our facebook fan page and of course leave a review uh, five stars would be awesome i want to thank everyone for listening and coming up we've got uh, a couple of episodes for next week uh monday you know what it is almost the big day tomorrow halloween kills hits the movie theaters and I'm so excited. We're going to be talking about it on Monday's show. And then coming up next Thursday, we're going to talk about some scary stories for Halloween. Some of my favorite short stories to read this time of year to put me in the Halloween mood. So be looking for that next week right here on Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. <laughs>